Hey girl, hey, my name is Randa Caraba, host of the Powerful Women Podcast, here to bring you real life stories and interviews that are gonna inspire you to become your most confident self. As the owner of Power Fit, I actually go so much deeper than fitness, both in life and in this podcast. So get ready to talk self-development, mindset, building a career and life you're completely obsessed with and prepare to level up to turn those dreams into realities. We're gonna cover hardships, failures, and what it truly takes to become a powerful woman of God. All right, we are good to go. Awesome, awesome. So let's take it back to the beginning. How did you end up at Texas A&M and why did you stay here? Oh my gosh, Texas A&M. Gosh, this will like, kind of, I feel like I've been here for so long, might get a little emotional of like how I got here. So I'm actually a first generation Aggie. So I was born and raised in the big city of Bremont, Texas, population 876, graduated with 30. And, you know, my godfather actually was in the core here and I would grow up coming to the football games with him because he had the, the season tickets and there was just something just so special about Texas A&M. Now, when I was a little girl, I did not like the fact that they did not have cheerleaders. I was very offended by that. And then I learned they had them like for the football, I mean, for the basketball team and like the dance team and all of that. And I got better. But this is so crazy. I remember in third grade, I went to this um private uh, Catholic school in our town and we were literally taught by the nuns and when we were in third grade I feel like that was kind of right when you were starting to reach this level of like who's cool or who's not cool okay and it was so cool to be a Longhorn and it was not cool to be an Aggie okay and I would wear my Aggie t-shirts to school and like people would throw things at me and like make fun of me or I don't think we were very good at football back then and Texas was so like I just knew it was coming and I'd convinced one other girl in the school to be an Aggie with me okay and so when the guys would play like um, recess football and everything the girls would split up as to who was the cheerleaders and there'd be all these Longhorn cheerleaders and then me and my one little girl that I convinced to be an Aggie cheerleader with me so um, I didn't apply anywhere else to go to school I graduated valedictorian in the top 10%, so I knew that I would obviously get in. But still, just like receiving that letter that I got into Texas a and it was like really powerful, you know, and to be the first one in my family. Um, my, my mom nor dad went to a university. My grandparents didn't go to a university. And so that was really, really special. And I remember um, my, my um, godfather, the one that was the Aggie, he, um, I think he was maybe kind of a little bit concerned for me in a good loving way because he was like, you are a big fish in a little pond here at this small town and you have excelled and done so much. And he, I don't, he didn't even say it to me. It was more to my mom. Um, he was like, I'm just worried about her being a little fish in a big pond. And on graduation day, I was the Brown Rudder nominee for the entire College of Ag and Life Sciences. So they choose one from each college um, to be the top senior of the entire university. And I remember my mom, she said at graduation, she leaned over and said, well, George, it looks like our big fish did pretty good, you know? And so, um, yeah, being an Aggie is something that's really, really special to me. And um, being from a small town that's only 45 minutes away and being such, you know, like family focused and I grew up very rural and within agriculture, actually, like I showed cattle. I was on the judging team at A&M. Um, I was like, actually, I put myself through school with scholarships and I actually found a way to make money while going to school from scholarships. I mean, I applied like I applied for them like it was my job when I was a junior and a senior. And I actually used the extra money that 
was outside of what I needed for living to grow um, my cattle operation back home from like the showing that I had done in high school. So there was really no way for me to do that and move further away from here. And so when I graduated from Texas A&M, when I tell you it was like the most bittersweet moment because I loved being an Aggie and being a student at Texas A&M so much that I almost like felt like a part of my life was over. But then with staying here, it was like I was starting a whole new chapter here. So back then I actually graduated, like I said, with honors in the ag department. And I turned down every grad school offer, including I had worked for um, Dr. Chris Gaggs the entire time that I was an undergrad. And he had just got moved up into overall of all of the um, College of Ag and Life Sciences. And I told everybody, I said, give me a year. I want a year and I'm going to see if I can um, make my own business work. And I did not come from a um, small business background. No one in my family is an entrepreneur. Um, we are very much more of like growing up in terms of like living within your means. Don't take risks. Don't like put yourself out there in a, in a way that could, you know, put you in a lot of debt. And so, yeah, I, uh, I told everybody, my family, everyone, give me a year and I'm going to see if I can make my little business work. And that's when I was making, I was hand making jewelry in college. And whenever I did the um, internship for the American Angus Association, the summer going into my senior year, that's when I realized here I was in Kansas City, Missouri and traveling to all these different states for cattle shows. And everybody knew me by my little jewelry making business rather than my name or being from Texas A&M. It was like that accolade didn't matter. And so what I was doing is I was kind of setting the tone of all these online clients I would have kind of right before online really became a thing. So I sought out to um, open my own business here. And I actually looked at one of the locations right across from you here. Aww. Could not afford it. They wanted too long of a lease. I ended up opening a little pink house outside of town. But before that, I had a little mall in the kiosk okay. because I could do month to month. And it was like a safe, secure net that could allow me. So I'd graduated in May and I did the um, kiosk in September, October, November, December. And that was like, well, if I can go through a holiday season and see what my sales could be, then I can figure out if I'm going to make this a, a real thing or if I'm going to go back to school. And when I tell you it's crazy that so many people, even when my company was like thriving a year and two, three years in, it was like the most popular question to ask me, family included, was when are you going to go back to school to get your master's? And I'm like, I'm not because while I'm all about academia, and if you had told me that when I was an undergrad, I almost kind of became an academia snob about being Little Miss Texas A&M. Um, and so when I was like, no, I'm not going back because while if there's a certain like career position that I'm wanting, that getting a master's would benefit me or would, you know, raise my pay, I will do it. But that was not the route I was on. Like, if I was going to be a vet, then I would have gone back to vet school. Right. But I was like, I don't, I don't think I need an MBA like I thought I did. And so I had, um, Southern Jewels in business for a total of 12 years. I was storefront about seven years here. And I am, I believe, still the youngest female to date to make the Aggie 100. I was 27 years old and um, made the Aggie 100 at number 11 overall with a compounded growth rate of 93% over five years. That is insane. It was insane. And let me tell you, when we went to the Aggie 100 banquet, the way it works, you go and you know you make the top 100. And then you have a table and like I had, you know, my my godfather, my parents, my um, business mentors. My husband was actually my new boyfriend at the time, like literally within just two weeks. So I felt kind of like bowed up inviting him with me, you know. 
of course, everyone's shaking his hand thinking like he's the one that won it. And then it's little old me. So um, they they name off like number of 100, 99, 98 and all that. So you don't know where you actually rank. And I remember huddling up my little my little table and I said, OK, like I am so proud to be here. I would have never thought I would have made it to somewhere like here. So I said, if I am number 100 and I'm the first person called, we just cheer and clap. There are no losers here. And when they got to the top 20, my now husband at the time, he's very good at finance and numbers. And I've always just been the sales and the creation. Um, I remember he leaned over to me and he was like, hey, what's your annual compounded growth rate? And I was like, come again? Like, I didn't even know what that meant, okay? And I said, I don't know. And so I went and got up and stood on the back wall because all of a sudden I had this like pit in my stomach where I was like, it's it's a fluke that I got the letter. Like, I'm not really supposed to be here. I have all my like loved ones here and there's no way. Like, you know, and when they got to number 11 and called me and I was like up there with all of the big like oil guys and people doing really big things, it was just so surreal. But you know, what's crazy about that is that business the year after I received the award. So I received the award in 2015, but it was going through up until 2014, if that makes sense. The next year after that, I actually lost over six figures in that business. And so you want to talk about some humble pie and getting back to the basics and figuring out how I was going to keep going because you're like on top of the world and then boom. So that's my Aggie story. <laughs> Absolutely. So we kind of talked that you mentioned it before, but Southern Jewels. Yes. You started as making jewelry yourself. How mm-hmm. did you grow into what it is today? So again, I was showing cattle from like high school. And then in college, I would be like an intern at the Houston Livestock Show or the San Antonio Stock Show. I was on the judging team. And so it was kind of like the thing back then to like wear all the like authentic turquoise jewelry. Well, like authentic turquoise jewelry from like, you know, uh, Santa Fe, Mexico, New Mexico or something like that. It's very expensive. And I come from a very middle class family and I had to put myself through college. I could not afford to pay hundreds or even thousands of dollars. So I sourced out where I could get like lookalike beads and I never marketed them as authentic or anything, but to where I was able to make these pieces for me for 20 or $30. And so the way it started, I didn't like start saying, I'm going to start this business. I was just hand making my own jewelry. And then between like judging competitions and cattle shows and stock shows and even like when i was the intern at the angus association i was like the junior activities intern helping run the junior nationals from like the leadership standpoint but i had hired out someone to run my booth to sell all of my jewelry so i was kind of like a little peddler both ways you know (laughs) and um the girls just wanted what i was wearing so it was like i literally started carrying around this little like almost like caboodle, if you will. And then I got one that was on wheels and I'd go to the stock shows and people would just buy the jewelry. And then that's when I started like selling online. But that, I mean, I graduated college in 2009. So I opened my storefront in 2010, but I was online before that. And that's before people really trusted like, oh my God, if I order it, like, are they scamming my money? How am I going to receive it through the mail? How long will it take? And really around that time was when Amazon was kind of starting to boom. And so that's where the trust of, like online shopping started to come from to where then people would shop for me. So like everything that I had done growing up showing cattle or, you know, I kind of started to feel like, well, my degree actually is not being put to use for my job, but it really was because everyone that I had encountered in all of these other states from things that I had done with my agriculture background, they were the foundation of my um, online clientele. And it was easier for me to start online first before testing out the kiosk for opening my own store. 
So why agriculture as a major? I know you mentioned showing a little bit when you were younger. How did that transition into your college life and how do you use those skills today? Okay, so like most, I think, young Aggies or even just like um, college students in general, you come in and I would I don't know what the statistic is, but I would say it's very small that students who come in with this ideology of this is what my degree is, it's never going to change, never going to pivot, and I'm going to become just this right here very rarely stays the same, right? But I came in pretty headstrong. I wanted to be an animal science major. I actually came in ag economics because what I was wanting to do more like pharmaceutical sales, they're like, you don't actually need an animal science degree. So I stayed ag economics the first semester and I like, I dreamed of being on the judging team. And so that is like animal science based. Well, I didn't do any judging in high school. We didn't have a judging team. And our A&M judging team is really, really good. And so you pretty much have to have, you know, done it in high school or at least gone to a junior college. Like our judging team, they scout out people from junior colleges. So if you're a quote unquote in-house kid that didn't go to junior college, it's a lot, I guess you would say harder on you maybe, or um, you just, you haven't been traveling and judging for two years like the junior college ones would have been. And so here I was this quote unquote in-house kid that um, had never judged before. And I was like, no, I want to be on the judging team. So therefore I want to be an animal science major and I can still do, like I either wanted to do pharmaceutical sales or leadership type positions in organizations like a cattle breed and working with the juniors because I grew up showing Brangus cattle. Um, and so I was like, I could do that with either degree, but I want to be on the judging team. And I was, and I made the All-American team actually. That is amazing. Yes. So after Southern Jewels, where did you go? Okay, this is where it kind of starts to get a little haywire. So Southern Jewels, um, I did a complete layoff in, it was February 4th, 2016. The reason why I know that is it was exactly one year before I was to get married on February 4th, 2017. The starting year of 2016, that January alone, I lost over $30,000. And again, I didn't have an investor. I didn't have a rich family. I didn't have anyone to dig me out of a hole except myself. And so I sat my team down halfway through January. Quite frankly, I think we were growing too big too fast. Like I was traveling to markets for like doing our wholesale line. I think I kind of let go of the main source bread and butter and was trying to do all these other add-ons and, and creation into it. And I just got used to growing so quick so much that if you don't know anything else, you just think it's going to keep staying like that. But in any business, you're going to hit, you know, pivots or redirections or hard times. And so I very honestly sat my team down. Um, I had six girls that helped me in the boutique, one that helped me run the online store. And then I had an office manager that managed like payroll and all the like invoices and everything. And I sat everybody down very honestly, brought them all breakfast, breakfast tacos, donuts, everything, and had a very honest conversation that I was going to have to be cutting back hours. And if things did not change in the upcoming two weeks, and again, I never blamed them. Like I was like, this is not your fault. I will take the blame as the business owner, but I am having to cut back. I'm having to redirect us. And if this does not help, it's, then I do have to do a layoff. And so on February 4th, 2016, I did a layoff. And there was a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of emotions, because we really were um, a very tight-knit little family, if you will. And so I think for the, the women that worked for me, almost feeling like, hey, but this is family. Why is this happening? And I'm like, you know, your feelings are hurt. My feelings are hurt. And my fear is, is kicked in because yes, while we have been a family here, 
it all has to add up dollars and cents wise. And we've kind of been on top of the world. And now I kind of got to scrounge again back from the beginning. And so I did a complete layoff and I ran that entire 3,400 square feet between the store and the online with only my office manager who stepped in to help me run the online for three months. After three months, I was able to bring one or two of the girls back part-time. And it was almost like I, uh, I did not want to let go of it, but there were also like 2016, Johnny football was gone. Um, we did not have a good football season that year. They, we had like, it was almost crazy because we made so much of our money in football season in this town to where like holidays, you know, are ghost towns here. I, I made my money online for Black Friday and day after Christmas and things like that. But in this town, it was football season. So if you have this schedule to where there's a lot of 11 a.m. games versus 6 p.m. games, or there's a lot of bad weather that rolls in, or, you know, like, I remember this year before that, we would, like, sell crazy amounts on Friday because they thought it was going to be a hot game. And then the next day, a cold front would blow in, and everyone would come back in to buy the cold stuff for the day of. So I, like, banked. Well, when you have different things happen like that, like someone wasn't having a good year, we didn't have Johnny football anymore, the time, we, we didn't have as many home games in general that year, it really affects local business. And so I just kept saying, I'm going to survive and hold on till football season. And football season is always what got me through. Well, I still lost money at football season. And what was hard about it is I did not realize how much of my identity was wrapped up in who I was as a business owner in this town. And not only in this town, but what I did. I loved what I did as far as running my store, styling women. Um, I felt like I got them ready for like the exciting things in life. Aggie football games, engagement pictures, wet, you know, fun things. And um, so I ended up redirecting. I shut the store at the end of that year. And I went online only for 2017. And little old stubborn small town girl me was bound to prove that I could be profitable in 2017 online only. And I was. Not a lot of profit. And I did not like running an online facility. You know, it was, I was basically like industrial distribution, customer support, shipping. I was not styling women in person anymore. It, it was just different. And that's the way that things change for the boutique industry. So I really feel like even though I had my own hardships and I'll own my faults of like ways that I could have probably redirected business differently and better in 2016, 17, it taught me some really valuable lessons that now have made me so much better in the business I have now. And I remember when, you know, I got my numbers back seeing I'd lost over six figures. I mean, like growing up in a middle-class family, you don't see six figures, much less lose six figures. And I remember my fiance at the time told me, you just got a very valuable lesson, a very expensive lesson, and this will make you better as a business owner in the future. But of course, when you're in it, it sucks and you don't see it. Well, that last year of 2016, still the storefront, it was right before I was getting married. And I was quite frankly, just working myself. Like my husband now and fiance at the time would have to call and say, you haven't eaten. I'll bring you lunch because I was working such long hours and trying to not lose what I had worked so hard to build. And quite frankly, I lost like between 40 and 50 pounds that year. Not the healthy weight. Like I'm not sitting here proud of it. I own a fitness company and I'm saying I lost weight from stress, overworking myself, not nourishing myself, not taking care of myself. Well, when I shut the storefront beginning of January, we were getting married February 4th. And I truly viewed it that I had the luxury to go to the gym because growing up, you know, middle class and I was so involved in everything. I put myself through college. Like I didn't, wasn't someone who just went to class and then didn't have a job or just went to class and put my books on daddy's credit card. So I was always doing so much, you know, even running my, my cattle herd back home. So I was like, wow, I don't have to work like 
these crazy hours. I am online, but my overhead is tremendously cut back. I'm getting ready to get married. And I quite frankly was needing to like rebuild my confidence. So I said, I'm gonna go to the gym every day for a month. And I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm gonna lift weights because almost like when you lose weight really fast, like I had done that year, you can almost look like you don't have any shape. And I was like, I don't want to look like that on my wedding day. You know, I want to feel healthy. I want to be healthy. I want to be strong. So, I mean, it's pretty rusty in my videos from back then, girl, because I did not know what the hell I was doing. But I was sharing it and documenting it and putting it on social media because my business all along had always been on social media. And you know what I learned through that? People were resonating with me so much more about my fitness journey, even though I wasn't a certified personal trainer, even though I did not have a clue what I was doing. Because it was almost like that's where everyone starts. It was like, because I wasn't a personal trainer or certified this or a jockey this, like I wasn't intimidating. It was like, she's just trying to figure it out. So we're going to follow along with her. And where with the store, I feel like there was a certain age range or a certain style or a certain size. Wellness, fitness, getting stronger was for every woman of every age, of every style, of every background. And so I started like understanding like, wow, I'm like stepping into something that could be something. And so I did fitness influencing for 2018 uh, up until August or September. I kind of got a little burnt out. I was more involved on something that it was a little more aggressive nutritionally. I'm like a high carb every day. I just want to eat and be good fed. <laughs> That's my problem with fitness is I don't want to diet. You know, I want to like be able to eat. Um, maybe it's the cattle girl that grew up in me with, that, that I grew up with, you know, like eat beef. And so um, that's when I was like, you know what? I had to like lost this weight, gotten in the best shape of my life. And people were wanting me to kind of direct into my own thing. But I almost didn't trust that like now I was carb cycling and intermittent fasting back then. And I was so exhausted of it. I just wanted to wake up and eat breakfast on the weekends. I wanted to have tortillas every day if I wanted them. But I didn't know, like, did I reach this success by sticking to this intermittent fasting and this carb cycling? If I go away from that, am I going to lose all the progress? which honestly is a wonderful lesson for me to have walked through myself because now I truly am empathetic and understand the fears of certain food or nutrition tactics that my own clients have. You know, like being a woman raised in today's society is so much better and moving in a better direction now. But 20, 30 years ago when, when I was a child, it, it was very different. It was like you have to be thin and lean and the way you do that is you eat less. And that is not the way our human body is meant to honestly live and especially thrive, much less like gain strength and grow stronger and become like your healthiest, best self. So that is what led me into Power Fit. I mean, it was kind of just a way of me refinding myself through the hardship of losing my last business that led me straight into something else. Absolutely. So how you kind of talked about how you had the journey, you were going to the gym yourself and you were being real with people. Mm -hmm. How did you develop that into a business? And grow your online videos classes. Okay. So when I started PowerFit, I was very open and honest that like, I am not a certified personal trainer. And I really think at that point, people still really followed me because I wasn't. So I was like, I will always have like the best of the best trainers on staff for PowerFit, but I want to be the one that like lives by example. I want to be the one that lives the lifestyle. Like I'll be the face. I'll be like that person. I don't want to be, it's not that I didn't want to be, but I felt like it was intimidating to be, you know, and I wasn't like a fitness competitor. I was like lifestyle fitness, like sustainable fitness. And, um, you know, going into it, I started realizing we were nine months into the um, program and we had great programs. We kept rolling out with new programs. It was full body. It was 
you know, nothing really crazy nutritionally, macro counting, reach your protein goal, have high carbs every day where, you know, we were the opposite of keto. Um, and so it was really sustainable. But what I noticed was nine months into the business, I was looking at the statistics and the amount of women that were doing and completing weeks one or two of a program versus the weeks 11 and 12, the drop off was drastic, girl. And let me tell you, I have always been and I still am. It is not about the end all be almighty dollar to me. It is about the success story, the impact. Like I don't want to take somebody's money to do a three week program and you drop off after week two and me say, oh, I just got your money. Good luck. No, I want to be like, why are you not showing up? What is the problem? Where's the pain point? So I went to my community and I was very raw, honest and raw and asking, um, I think almost like the, the fact of almost losing a business before it kind of, that fear was kind of like it had happened. And now I was like, to move forward, I just have to be so honest and raw and vulnerable even. And I knew that women were appreciating that. So I remember being like, what can I do to help transition this week one and two into a strong week 11 and 12? And I'm like, do I need more trainers, more programs? What is it? And the, the consensus was that these women wanted to see other successful women living the lifestyle that showed and proved to them that they could do it too. And they wanted them as cheerleaders. They wanted a small group. They wanted encouragers. They wanted the women that they could go ask the simple question that they were too scared to ask. They didn't want the end all be all trainer. That's way too intimidating. They just wanted to ask like, hey, I'm not sure I did this correctly. And I'm too embarrassed to like go to a professional or to go to Randa. So can you tell me am I doing this correctly? And they wanted to be felt and seen and understood and encouraged, you know, like cheered on because gym intimidation is real. Even if you're doing home workouts, when you're starting something new, there is this overwhelming amount of like, am I doing it wrong? Um, it just, what if I fail? Who, who imposter syndrome, you know, everything. It can feel like the journey of where you want to be is so far away that will I ever even reach it? You can be so overcome with emotion. So nine months into the business, I had no business plan of having quote unquote empowerment coaches. And I'm a strong Christian and I was praying about the direction I needed to take my company. And it came to me one night um, before bed. And it was like, you need to have these women that have been success stories and they are going to lead these small groups as coaches. But what's going to be different about them is they don't have to be nutritionists or trainers. They can be, but I will always have that on staff. And some of my coaches have come in with that certification. Some of them wanted to add it. But the reality was kind of the perception that I had when I started I want you to be the everyday real world woman who is balancing being a mom, being a teacher, being a coach, being, you know, involved in your community, going to church, doing all the things and still making this happen rather than the professional that you see on Instagram who only has to lift weights and drink protein shakes. I mean, still to this day, I will not niche down as a fitness only person online, even though 95% of my income comes from power fit. And it's because there is so much more to me than just fitness. Like lifting weights and eating protein is a still small percentage of the hours that I'm living every week and all the things that I'm doing. And so that's where that was bred. Well, the trainer, my, my lead trainer at the time, he was a man. And it, I don't think it had anything to do with gender, but I do think he wasn't quite understanding what the women were wanting of this. And there caused some rift. You know, he was like, we need, you know, more certified trainers. We need good luck with your so-called empowerment coaches that aren't trainers, like almost kind of like laughing at me. And that's hard. You know, I'm still not a trainer. I'm nine months into this fitness company. Am I leading us the right way? And um, 
I would say that, yes, I, I led us the right way, but that was, that was kind of hard to overcome, you know, knowing that that was going in that right direction. But I just so strongly believe in you go to the pain points of your, your, your pain clients, and that's where you'll find the best way to navigate and redirect. So now my coaches, it has been not only a, um, like a blessing seeing like our membership grow and our success stories grow and the amount of money we've given away to fitness challenge winners, but the coaches have, I mean, that's the ultimate lead by example, show it by accountability and they're little entrepreneurs running their own business within a bigger business of mine. So I'm able to gift them this. I've got your back in terms of the structure, the financial risk, the resources, everything built. Like I've got that covered. I'll run customer support. I will handle these pain points. If you can just do this aspect. And that's actually, I feel like the most impactful part of the job. But as I was growing, I knew I couldn't, you know, duplicate myself. But I have all these coaches and they're from different walks of life, different ages of life, different states, different backgrounds, ethnicities, everything. And that is what helps our members. They come in and they find a coach that they relate to or is in a similar season of life to them. And it's like they're not having to walk it alone. And I relate it to, you know, it's like if you're going to try out a new church and you're going to, you know, kind of just wiggle in late to the back row and you're like, oh, they're maybe raising their hands and being kind of crazy. I'm just going to like bolt cancel my membership out of here. But if you come in strong and you're like, I'm going to do this and you lock arms with other friends that are at that church service in that second row and you're singing and swaying, it's a heck of a lot harder and you have to think a lot more before you bolt and leave and cancel and quit on yourself. So that is the whole ideology. So when people sign up for a membership, can you tell me a little bit more about the services offered and what support they get? Absolutely. Okay. So here was the other thing, because even like people in my family were like, why would they pay at the time our membership started at $49? Now they start at $79. Um, why would someone pay that when they could go to Planet Fitness for $9.99 and have a 24-7 gym? Well, you're not getting a personal trainer with that. If you are, personal training sessions are $50 to $70 plus per session. So here I was paying thousands of dollars to a um, fitness trainer to write these programs, then I was filming them in a virtual interactive way for both the home and the gym for beginner, intermediate and advanced skill set. So, you know, it's tailorable to where they are. Um, and then I'm doing voiceover coaching. I'm giving written descriptions and I'm pairing this nutritionally with the macro counting and the calorie way that I think they need to do based on what their goals are. So they go through and they're walked through an entire like what their lifestyle is, what their current weight is, what all these different statistics of themselves to calculate what their calories are. And then based on their goals, it's like how many calories should we be consuming either over or under or at your maintenance. From there, we apply a macro split. And then within our nutrition, we've got over 500 tried and true recipes from our members. We've got grocery shopping lists. We've got recipes with like barcode scanning for instant like tracking access. Um, I mean, the education that we're teaching them, we've got fitness challenges. Our last fitness challenge paid, paid out $50,000, you know? So when you're a part of that, it's like, okay, go to, go to Planet Fitness where nobody knows me. And again, maybe I just kind of hide in the back row and I might show up a little bit. And if you, you know, join with a trainer, you're going to pay 50 to $70 a session unless you maybe get like a package. But it was like for $50 a month, I'm going to do all of this that's accessible right here that it's not only about the convenience, but you know what else I learned about women when I became a fitness influencer? They needed to start on their own time, in their own home or in their own space with someone like this versus in person before they felt comfortable. 
And so it was like, I was kind of like nurturing them or almost like kind of like a pacifier. And you know, my thing with power fit is obviously we are focused on long-term sustainability. I want a coach to stay with me forever. I want a member to stay with me forever. But if they don't, I hope that I taught them so much about strength training, proper form on lifting weights, how to eat, how to fuel their body, how to eat protein, that they can leave and go away and thrive on their own. So you have stuff for beginners. What if someone's coming in as, you know, more intermediate? Can you can your coaches help them to figure out a routine that really fits their lifestyle? Absolutely. So, you know, honestly, the majority of our members that come in are the beginner skill set and the majority of our members work out at home. But again, with time, starts getting a little addicting, start seeing progress, start making some friends in your small groups. Then I see women, they're like adding on like some more home equipment and they're getting a gym membership and making sure they have childcare. So they're getting actual time away from their children. They're investing in themselves in this time and so many great things. And so with that, the, the way it's written is really so that if you start at the beginner level, then you can go into the an intermediate and then into the advanced. Well, again, my coaches, you know, they have walked those same seasons. So they may be walking alongside you as an intermediate, or they may be walking alongside you now into advanced territory. And if not, I've really cultivated such a community over competition that there are coaches of mine who like encourage people to go to other coaches. That doesn't happen a lot, but yes, there is, there is a way we actually do have more programs for intermediate and advanced skill sets. Not a whole lot more, but you have to think about it. If I've got, 20 programs that can be for beginner skill set. Well, then I need to have 25 that can be for intermediate skill set and 30 that can be for advanced skill set if I'm wanting them to stay with me long term, sustainability wise. So, yes, they, it's almost like they gain their own strength. They're going alongside with it with our coaches. And most of our coaches have been through the advanced portion. And if they haven't, then again, I think they would redirect to another coach or they would say, let me learn from you. Let's learn for this together. But the beauty of the virtual training is it's all laid out for them. The coach is just kind of helping check in, be more of a hype person and accountability. They're doing their own small group challenges, really making this community because they get to where they start doing life together. It's not just about the fitness and nutrition post. It's about the motivation post. It's about the celebratory victory post. And I'm not just saying, okay, I lost 15 pounds and I can fit into two sizes smaller pants. No, it's I can bend down and pick up my child without my back hurting me. I can go play outside in this blazing Texas heat for 30 minutes and not feel like I'm going to die while I'm actually involved with my kids rather than sitting on the sideline and watching my kids. And I mean, we have had stories of women who have, you know, overcome infertility just by being healthy and, and happy. And, you know, the victories that my coaches get to win. It's like when our, um, our woman that just won the, uh, $50,000 challenge. First place got $40,000. Second place got uh, $7,500. And third place got $2,500. The woman who won the $40,000 challenge, it is not only a huge victory to her, it is a huge victory for her coach. You know, like they are, it's like I, I told her coach before I told her so that when we kept it quiet before it went public, she could relish in that with her coach because her coach is so proud. And that helps that coach's future business, basically. You know, like look what she helped to create. And this woman, she was in um, Southeast Florida, traveling around from the entire six months in an RV, running two businesses. Her husband was gone for work, raising three children, homeschooling them in a tiny RV with a pair of dumbbells. I mean, that is absolutely incredible to see the way this woman, and it's so much more than transforming her body. It's so much more than gaining strength. It's trusting herself to eat. And that like, I don't have to go, 
feel this food guilt or this shame after everything I eat. I can feel empowered that like I have fuel in my body to keep becoming a stronger me. And I can lead by example to show my children these wonderful healthy habits. And I can also implement healthy boundaries in the evening time. She did it at 7.30 in the evening. Do you know how hard that has to be to go through all day of working two, you know, two managerial jobs, um, you know, homeschooling these children, having these children in this tiny space of an RV. And at the end of the day, when you could only imagine how exhausted this woman is to pick up a pair of dumbbells and to show her children that she's going to be invested in her own strength training journey. I mean, it just brought me, it brings me to tears. And it's just like, um, I'm very grateful that the money we've been able to build in our business has been able to go back to truly not only change our members' lives, but even change the direction and the trajectory of their future generations. So hearing that success story and, you know, the bonds between coaches and members, how do y'all place members and coaches together and how do they develop those bonds over time? It is 100% up to the member to choose who their coach is. Now, it, every once in a while they do ask like, hey, I'm, I don't know who to choose at all. Can you help guide me or direct me? Or, hey, I'm thinking between these two or three coaches, do you have a suggestion? Number one, I never want to show favoritism to one coach over the other. Number two, I want the member to truly feel like that is such a personal journey when you're deciding like I'm ready. I don't want to come in and step in and kind of like be guiding for you. I want to kind of let you kind of like learn and, and figure it out for yourself. And you know what? With social media now, we have people that follow us, our program, me, our coaches, our affiliates for weeks, months, years, even before they jump. So some of them already know who they want. The other ones, I always tell them, find someone who you relate to, whether that be a similar season of life, a similar, you know, previous challenge. Because I make our coaches write a pretty explicit bio of why someone should choose them. Did you overcome a disease? You know, or do you have PCOS? Are you, you know, have you gone through, you know, two postpartum seasons with us where you were breastfeeding and a working nurse while raising these two babies, you know, different things like that, that those are the things these women are looking for rather than, oh, well, she's completed all 30 programs. Like that doesn't actually help her. Yes, she's got this experience, but I want to know that she understands how hard it is for me to make this time for myself. I want her to understand how hard it is for me to overcome my previous fear of food. And those are the things that we write um, and like lift out about our coaches so that members can choose who they want to work with and who they're comfortable with. So this is kind of a generic question, okay. but what's your favorite part of, you know, getting to be the figurehead and the person behind a huge fitness brand for women? You know, that comes with a lot of pressure, obviously, but... Um, I'm a very strong Christian, and I know my, um, my role here on earth is to help women believe in themselves, know they can do more, they can be more, um, they can overcome hard things, and they don't have to settle or limit for anything. Once they become a mother, there's still a them outside of motherhood. Once they become... Um, a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, whatever it is, there's still a them that is them outside of work. And I think so many times life happens so hard for so many people and you sit from the outside and you think, I can't do that. I can never win. That can never be me. And I'm just that person that's like, with like the leading of my company, I want to be the person that has that little hot shot behind them, cattle background, saying, yes, you can. Yes, you will. And someone is here to help believe in you, show you before you give up on yourself. 
the one thing that I really admire and love about you is your lifestyle book. You share your life with your viewers. How and why did you make that decision? Okay, so this was another thing. Lifestyle blogging and honestly just blogging and influencing in general was really becoming a thing 2015, 16, 17. That's when I was going through those hardships of Southern Jewels. And I had honestly stepped back into having like my employees or hiring literally just people to just model for me to come in. Well, anytime I would step in, again, keep in mind this is before I lost the weight of that last year, um, everyone would always engage the most with me. And I'm like, I'm trying to not be the face of this. Okay. They're like, but you're, you're no longer 21. You're growing, you're aging. This is, you're maturing, but also this is your company. And so we know you, we want to see you. And so, um, can you say the original question again? I kind of got a little deferred. No worries. How did you kind of edge into lifestyle? Okay. That's right. So with all of that, that's when like blogging was kind of becoming a thing. And so I reached out to one or two bloggers here, but again, we live in a very transitional town. So just cause you're a booming little blogger in college here, probably not going to stay in college station. And so I was like, I'm going to stay here. And so as much as I don't necessarily want to be the face, I know that my personality, like I can step in to the limelight when I need to. I actually prefer to be off the limelight, but I'm very good to step into it when I need to. You know, number one, it helps pay the bills. And when you're the business owner, you know how to do what it takes to pay the bills. So I told my husband as I was shutting the storefront that with me going online, I was going to become this lifestyle blogger to feed the traffic into my online store. And again, because I was, you know, no longer just a storefront owner, I wanted from a trust factor to share everything. I was getting ready to get married. So I was sharing wedding planning. We were building a house. I was, you know, going through kind of like figuring out my health journey and my, my strength journey. And so all of that just kind of evolved into it. And like I said, I think because I wasn't just some intimidating person who had made it or was a super professional in one specific area, and I was just sharing real life, I think that just resonated with a lot of the followers. So then when PowerFit came about, it was like, I'm just going to kind of keep doing this. And that's why I still, you know, Instagram gurus tell you, you need a niche down to grow. Well, I don't care about growing a certain number of followers. I care about more success stories, more impact. And I have plenty of people that follow me on the internet that can improve the quality of their life from my program. So, you know, I want to, again, share so much more than just lifting weights and, and, um, you know, drinking a protein shake. Cause let's be honest, you, you lift weights four or five, six times a week, but you, um, you live a lot more than that. So you kind of shared the wedding planning, being alive, becoming a mom with all of your followers. What has been your favorite part of the journey to share and why? Oh my gosh. Um, for sure. Uh, becoming a mom. Motherhood was one of those things. My husband and I, we actually never talked about it online before for a multitude of reasons. Number one, we have some family and friends who struggle with infertility. And so, you know, our, our heart goes out to them and we felt very, you know, involved with their journeys. And we didn't know if we wanted to have children, but also we didn't know like would fertility be an issue for us or not. We really had no idea. And we were very content without children and not necessarily saying that we wouldn't have them, but we didn't have that desire, that burning desire to have them. Um, and so we said, kind of gave us a certain time frame and age, like if it hasn't changed or we haven't softened up or we're not desiring or yearning this, then we'll just be like the coolest aunt and uncle there ever was, right? And so my company was, um, gosh, not even a year old. And I found out I was pregnant. So I launched the company January 12th or 14th. And I had a fitness shoot the first week of December. And I remember telling my husband, um, when was the second week of December? Before Christmas. 
I remember telling my husband at the fitness shoot, I was like, something felt different in my stomach. And I was like, it wasn't like an insecurity, like I gained weight or I, you know, had eaten too much or I was bloated on the shoot. And just something felt different. And he's like, well, do you think you should take a pregnancy test? And I'm like, sure. And um, I was pregnant. And I didn't know that like false positives like aren't a thing. So I like didn't believe it. You know, I, I didn't believe it. I'm like, my company is not even a year old and, and like, my body is my company. That was one big thing I would say that was probably the hardest in terms of sharing. We're talking about everything I share. I had to really have a sit down with like my, my husband, my, my family, my parents, like to be a fitness influencer, you have to show your body, you know, but then my philosophy was, well, it's nothing worse than what I would be showing if I was in a swimsuit, if I'm showing myself in like sports bras and, you know, a lot more of my body, because to really see the change and difference of a woman's body, you have to be able to see it. So that was probably the hardest, the hardest thing to share. But then um, when I became pregnant, it almost became this, like, obviously we, we were excited. We were happy, felt maybe a little bit of guilt that we didn't try. And we knew people that were so close to us that were so loved on that wanted this blessing. And then here we weren't trying. Why are we given this opportunity when someone who wants it so badly is? And that was really hard when you actually have a big heart for your people. Um, but God doesn't make mistakes and he's always on time. And so um, I feel like I actually embraced my entire pregnancy more about, obviously I wanted to raise a healthy baby and I wanted to lead by example with my pregnancy. And I finished my last, I launched a postpartum program. I launched a pregnancy program. I worked my little booty off. I was COVID. I had my last workout two and a half hours before my, um, labor, before my water broke. And then it was like, I was training for labor girl. It was like, it was a marathon. It was a competition. I never did fitness competitions, but I was like game on when I go into labor. And I wanted to see how fast I could push, how, how strong I could be to deliver this child. And I had him in, um, I think the doctor was in a total of six minutes. I pushed three times. I mean, it took no time at all. Just boom. He came out. And you know what was crazy is, I mean, they placed that baby on my um, chest and it all changed. And so I've been very, I've then started being very honest about why I never shared um, why we didn't have children or why if people would ask us about children and I would just say it's the no-go zone online. Like I would not talk about it. So people would assume like maybe they have infertility problems or we just wouldn't talk about it. So there was kind of this unknown. Well, after that, um, then, man, I learned what mom guilt was because I had it instantly. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this baby so much. And I didn't yearn for this the way some people yearn for that. And so I think what's honestly so powerful about my story is I've always been so honestly raw that like, even when it's things that I'm not proud of or feelings that I don't want to have, I lean into them and I share them because there's someone else out there that feels that too. And come to find out from my pastor, he actually said, you know, unplanned pregnancies are the, are much harder on the woman than they are, than they are the man, you know, because it's the woman's body, it's the woman's life, it's the woman's adjustment. So when my husband told our pastor that we were pregnant, his no one asked, like, well, how's Randa handling this news? But he knew. He knew to ask. And it took me a couple of months to become comfortable with the fact that I was pregnant. You know, I obviously was going to have this baby and I was going to do a good job of being a mom. But when you're not the mom or the mom-to-be, like, I wasn't nesting. I wasn't making my nursery perfect. I was cranking out fitness programs and seeing, you know, how long could I keep lifting a barbell? And can I still do burpees at 37 weeks pregnant? You know, it was very different things. Then I all of a sudden started feeling very selfish and guilty when I became a mom. And so, man, it was just, it was an all new like way of me relating to people. And I think people even seeing a different side of me um, 
And I think a lot of people have enjoyed getting me watch, like getting to watch me become a mom because, man, I, I let go of that guilt because I'm a damn good mama. I'm a good one. That's probably been my favorite thing to share. Absolutely. I saw the birthday party photo. Oh, girl, let adorable. me tell you. That was where, so when we, whenever we did the birthday party, this was my, I have to justify my big things in life because I'll go big on everything. But now I got to, I'm married, so I got to get my husband convinced on the going big, right? You know, like different things like that. And I told him, I said, I am going so big on this baby's first birthday. And it's because the day he was born, I did not understand the blessing I was receiving. But on his first birthday, I do. So it was almost kind of like my way, selfishly, I mean, to redeem if that makes sense, but it was my way of like letting go of that. And then also I was like, okay, it's not like he's gonna mind having this badass first birthday. He's probably gonna be, you know, at college saying, look at my first birthday thing, look what my mom did. You know, but it was completely obsessive and over the top. But I think sometimes in different seasons of our life or different struggles we're going through, if there's a way to put something to rest, whether it's shame, guilt, fear, the thought that you're not enough or you're not worthy enough, if there's something placed on your heart to do and to profoundly do, to let go of that, I'm all about it. And if it's planning a birthday party, call me. I'm going to be there. <laughs> Absolutely. So another question I have for you is, you know, being a business owner and being an influencer, how do you balance work and family? Oh, it's hard. And up until about two weeks ago, I wasn't very good at it. You know, building the fitness app that I did, it launched last December. We built it for 18 months. So we started that. I mean, my company's about to be five. But the um, app didn't launch until the company was about to be four, literally right around the same time. And that was the hardest building season and trying to balance the two. There wasn't a lot of balance. And, you know, the hard, the hard truth about entrepreneurship, especially with having a family and being a mom, is you cannot, you know, put this business over your family. You cannot put it over your child. You, you cannot, you know, like the priorities in life have to come. And, you know, it's, it's God, my husband, my son, my business. But the thing about entrepreneurship is there are sometimes seasons and moments where you have to step up and do things where the, the priorities are out of whack for you to, to grow forward or, or to, you know, better this. Now, the thing was, if I was going to do all of this, there had to be an end in sight and there had to be a, okay, once we get here, no more. And so like, was it three weeks ago, I publicly announced I'm quote unquote half retired. It's a completely made up thing. It's basically, I am not working these crazy long over hours anymore like I have done for so long. And if I don't get some, if I don't get to something today, it can wait until tomorrow. You know, there's no one's brain is bleeding out. I'm not a brain surgeon. You know, while a lot of people, you know, obviously want instant gratification and an instant help, we're humans that are running this business. So I don't think that I had, um, that balance whatsoever. And I was very honest and open about that. I started getting very angry and resentful of it. Um, and so now with this new um, way of leading and kind of trusting in, in everything that I've built and the roles that I've built and, you know, trusting my team and my coaches and, and all this stuff, I'm just very honest about it that, guys, I don't know how to not work like that. I don't know how to just be versus do. I don't know how to spend, you know, mornings till 11 a.m. with my son during the week. But I'm trying and I'm going to learn because you really don't, you don't learn and you don't know how to do something without doing it, even if it's uncomfortable, no matter what it is, if it's going to the gym for the first time or starting your fitness journey or for me, like stepping back from work and saying, nope, that can wait. And I'm not going to push this amount of sales. And, um, you know, I just also feel like, but when you're a Christian, God kind of, he gives you these different directions and tugs and, and signs that's like, okay, 
here, here's a little extra oomph to fit, you know, cross this finish line, but now I need you to slow down and take care of something in this department. Kind of my last question for you is, why would you encourage women, especially in the Brothers Valley, to take that leap of faith and become who they want to? Oh my gosh. Well, so many things. First off, let me answer this in terms of a strength training, like not to just plug power fit, but obviously this, this article is a lot about strength training, fitness in my company. I want to say if it, if it has to come with like taking that leap to become a stronger you, a healthier you, a more profound you with your fitness journey, building muscle is hands down the absolute best thing any human being can do for themselves in terms of aging. It's going to make your bones stronger. It's going to protect your bones. It's going to keep you active, healthy. It, it keeps your metabolism up. I mean, I, I can just go on and on and on of what the benefits of building muscle. And I'm not talking about losing fat. I'm not talking about being a certain size. If that comes with your building muscle and you're gaining 10 pounds, so be it. Like, I'm not saying your best self is your skinniest self or your leanest self. Because honestly, for a lot of people, it's not. But they think that. So in terms of um, strength wise and fitness wise, I would say your kids are worth it. Your grandkids are worth it. Um, your future generations are worth it. And quite frankly, you and the longevity of your life is worth it. I always tell my husband, I say, I'm going to be the most memeable person on the internet when I'm 80 years old, because I'm going to be lifting my weights and people are going to be like, how in the hell is that old woman doing that? You know, and that, those are the things that excite me. I feel like as you age, so many people like feel like the best of their life was behind them, or they're like, I don't want to turn 40. I don't want to turn 50. I'm like, I want to see who I am at 80. I can't wait to be that person and to see the, the person that I have built. Obviously, strength and fitness is going to be a large portion of that. But outside of that, it's my, you know, my relationship with God and leaning into all the hard growing pains that he takes me through and the relationships and the people I get connected to along the way, the things that don't turn out the way I want them to. But okay, let's not be a little brat about it. Let's sit back from a bird's eye view and say, what lesson did I learn, you know, and how was this supposed to teach me the next thing of my life to make me, you know, a all new level of a person and of myself? And then how can I use that to make this world better in terms of the people that I touch around me, in terms of the children that I raise and the, the grandchildren that I raise and all of that. So I just feel like every woman should just know like she is worth it. And like life is a gift and it is a work of art that we get to truly create and paint the canvas of our own. And I don't care if you turned 72 tomorrow and you have never lifted a weight. There's a woman on Instagram called Train With Joan who didn't start till she was 70 years old. And this woman at 75 is doing more than and living more profoundly than most women at 35. So I don't want to hear this. The, the best of me is behind me or life has happened behind me. No, there is so much more in front of you. And I want women looking forward to what they have to look forward to in their lives. Absolutely. Well, I think that's all the questions I have, but wanted to open up the floor and see if there's anything I didn't ask about that you think would be important for the community to know. Um, let me see. I know, right? <laughs> right? Mm. I would say, so with my, and you don't have to mention this, but this is just kind of like a little tack on thing that I've kind of done that honestly may resonate more with um, other business owners or other creatives. Obviously, I want people to, you know, be encouraged to like, you know, make strength training and, and fitness and healthy activity part of their daily life from this article. 
but also if you're a business owner or a creative and you're struggling in your own business, because like clearly I've dang near lost a business. I ended up selling it um, around the time that I launched Power Fit. And I've gone through highs and lows of businesses. And um, if you're someone who has tied your identity into your success, I'm an Enneagram three at my heart. And so that's very you know near and dear to me. Um, I like to say that being healthy is four dimensional. It is strength. It is mental. It is emotional and it is spiritual. So if you are needing healing in one of those ways, um, you know, I started therapy when I really was struggling with my identity and losing it in my success in my business. I would really like to plug that because like I said, health is also mental. And so while I want you to lift all the weights and, you know, eat all the, the nourishing foods, I want to make sure you're taking care of, of your brain and the feelings on the inside. So therapy is nothing to be um, scared or embarrassed of. We are human beings and life is hard and, you know, having tools. Like I like to think that I am someone who gives women tools to, you know, use those things to make their life better. That is exactly what therapy is. I also, with leading my coaches and them being basically little entrepreneurs between, I mean, underneath my umbrella of me being the entrepreneur of PowerFit, I've started doing a lot more um, social media, um, kind of like coaching and guidance of my coaches. But then instead of, you know, only correlating it to fitness, I started bringing in like other industries, other creatives, other business owners. And I'm actually my next course I'm actually going to do in person here because I don't think there's a lot of social media interaction, like business things in this town. Um, I think there's a lot of in-person business transactional things, you know, like our, our chamber and the ambassadors and lots of like in-person um, young professional things. But I don't think there's like necessarily these support groups or help in terms of like, how can I grow my, my business and even myself on social media? And so um, it's kind of been nothing that I planned, but again, a direction that my coaches took and they needed a little more guidance that I was like, well, instead of coming in here and making it only for you, I'm going to make it for more. So that is um, something very new that I'm excited about sharing a lot more of, you know, social media is how I've done every bit of my marketing and built every bit of my business. Um, from Southern Jewels to PowerFit to everything. And now more than ever, I think people are seeing like the power of it to where I think like five, 10 years ago, it was like, oh, she's just playing on Facebook, like whatever. Now it's like, oh, like this is a big, intricate part of business actually. So I'm, you know, I, I'm just all about if something that you're wanting doesn't exist, let's create it. And so I was like, I don't have like a little support group here. I have like a group of Houston creators. They'll invite me and we'll kind of like bounce ideas off of each other. And so I'm like, you know, it's scary. I'm putting myself out there. Is someone going to come to my in-person course? I don't know. It might be a flop. I may have nobody come. And I might share that on the internet that, hey, I tried doing this and this was crickets. Or there could be other people who are like, you know what? I kind of want some some guidance and I want to meet other people that are looking for the same thing. And I want to kind of create community there because just like the community is so important in terms of, you know, the fitness aspect, I also had to look, look at things from a bird's eye view is I'm not only helping women build their best self in terms of my fitness company, but I'm helping my coaches build their best self in terms of business as well. Perfect, perfect. I think yes, that's all. Absolutely. Wonderful.